going to continue the series we began last Sunday. It's a new series in Colossians. Was anybody here with us last week? Anybody hear Caroline's message last week? It was a banger. It was a hit. Um, go back and watch that one for sure. I told her last week, all of us who are preaching in this series, we're just going to be drafting off of that first sermon um, th- for, for a few months. But I- I'll tell you this, if, if you are finding yourself in a place right now where you're looking for a place to kind of live in the Bible, you want to read the Bible more, you're not really sure what, where to start or where to be right now, just dive into Colossians. Read Colossians. Read it again. Read it slowly. Read it all together. You can read the whole letter in 15 minutes, honestly. You can sit down on a break or before bed or when you get up in the morning. Um, I would even encourage you, if you're looking for a, a next level challenge, memorize it. Try memorizing portions of of Colossians. I remember when I was in college, I, I felt stirred to do that. And particularly in Colossians, I memorized a good chunk of the letter. And um, and I, I memorized the the passage we're going to be in today. And, and I think it's one that's worth memorizing, actually, because it is, there's some core foundational theology and Christology in what we're reading. And so this is the, the language that's used to describe the, the study of Jesus, of Christ. How do we understand who this person, Christ, is and, and what he means to the church throughout history and to the, the universal implications of, of what God has done through Jesus in our lives and around the world? Um, we're going to be touching on that today. And so if you're just looking for that, I want to I want to sink my teeth in a little bit. This is a great place to be. We're going to be in this letter for a few months. Uh, and so uh, we're just going to dive in. Can we read this thing together? Is that okay? Amazing. We're going to be starting in uh, one fifteen. What I want to do, though, is I want to read a few verses before this passage just to give us a little context. So this is the last couple of verses from last week, starting in verse 12. Uh, halfway through that verse, uh, Paul says, Uh, This is the God who has qualified you, the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he's he's talking about the Son now. And this is, we're going to launch into this passage speaking about the Son. Verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, 
This is the gospel that, is, that, is, that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I want to pause here. We've got a few more verses we're going to read later in this message, but we're going to stop here. So this is, um, this is a, an, a, a, an iconic, a famous passage unveiling and focusing on the nature of Jesus and the nature of what Jesus has accomplished through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. Um, and like I said, it's foundational theology, Christology for us of, of who is this Christ and what has he done, what has God done through him. Uh, I wish I had more time. I wish we had a few weeks in this passage or we could do like an extended Bible study in this passage because there's so much here. There's so much meat here. We could kind of double click on each line and go layers deeper. I don't have time to do that. So what I want to do is I want to I highlight some particular points throughout the passage. And I want to um, kind of take us on the journey of the movement of this poem. And it really is a, it's a poem. This is what many scholars have referred to these uh, verses that we just read as a, potentially it's a poem that was known already uh, across the, the network of house churches that was burgeoning across the Roman Empire. And so maybe Paul, in, his, uh, in this letter that he started writing to the Colossians, it's, it's like, did he, did he just like break into song, kind of? Did he, did he sort of just start, did he go in to build my life, you know, in the middle of a message or something? Is, is, he, is he, and he does this kind of stuff throughout many of his letters where he, he shifts into like a doxology in the midpoint and then comes back to the point he was making or doesn't. He just goes on to somewhere else. Um, and this is, but so was this already an existing poem? Maybe. Was this a poem that he maybe had penned previously and was in circulation and he's, he's using it here again? Is this just, he's just flowing particularly uh, in a particularly inspired way right now? I mean, we don't know, but it, either way, it, it reads like poetry. It reads like a song. It reads like praise that he's shifting into, and it is. Um, and, uh, and so what I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to name uh, three different subtitles, if you will, throughout this passage that we're in today that highlight the nature of this Christ that Paul is telling us about. And this first section is Christ before. He's before all things. Uh, this first verse that we read says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Uh, my uh, daughter, my, my, first, my firstborn daughter, Lalia, turned four yesterday, Lalia Rose Cable. We had an epic mermaid party for her. Waverly is going to be Waverly Elizabeth Cable. Our, our second daughter is going to be two uh, in about a week and a half. We'll have her, her Minnie Mouse party uh, in two, two Saturdays. Uh, and so we're just, October is just, we'll have an anniversary somewhere in between. I mean, we're just doing it. This is just it. This is, this is our month. Um, and it's, it's the best kind of chaos for sure. Uh, and, um, and so I was, I was getting Lolly in bed a few, few weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, and I don't remember if she had said maybe she was, she, she often says she's scared to go to sleep because she's afraid she's going to have, she has this recurring nightmare of a scary snowman, so we have to talk about that. Um, but so she, she maybe doesn't want to go to sleep sometimes or is a little scared. And so I can't remember if I was praying for her or if I was just encouraging her that, hey, hey, sweetie, Jesus is, is going to be with you. First of all, mommy and daddy are just down the hall, but Jesus is with you right here. And he's with you all the time. And he's all around you. And she said, she said, but I can't see Jesus. And I just thought, man, we're here. 
This is this feels like, I mean, something that an adult could say in our challenges of a life of faith. I can't. I just can't see him. Right. I'm sure. I believe he's there. He's out there. He's in here. But I can't see how he's at work. She said, "I can't see Jesus." And I got really. I had this really clever spiritual dad moment, you know. And I said, "I said, okay. Well, there are some things in our world that you can see, and some things you can't see." Um, so like, look around your room, you see the lamp over there, you can see that, the door, you see that, you can see daddy. But now take a deep breath. This is all, I'm, I'm just in the, I'm in the zone here, right? I'm, take a deep breath. And she, I said, did you feel that? And she said, yeah. And I said that, I said, you feel the air go in and then come out? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, so you can't see the air, but the air's all around you. Oxygen's all around you and you breathe it and it's all, it's actually always with you, Right. Um, and I said, Jesus, he's kind of like that. He's always here. You can't see him, but sometimes you can feel him. And she sat quietly for a minute and she said, but I can't see Jesus. And I was like, all right, I don't know. Let's just go to sleep. (laughs) Well, that was, that almost worked, you know? Uh, but then as I started to prepare for this message this week and, and reading this, this verse, the sun is the image of the invisible God. Yeah, it's true that I can't see how I can't see God or how, I can't see Jesus and how he's at work in, in every moment or in my life right now. But the thing Paul is actually saying here is that God, the invisible God, who's been revealing himself in little glimpses throughout human history and throughout the scriptures, right? We have this, this, this progressive revelation of God, this unfolding revelation of God that, that runs, begins in the, in the Old Testament and it, it develops and then it's fully unveiled in Jesus. And the point he's making is we haven't always been able to see God. He's invisible. But now that Jesus has come, we have an image of him. And it reveals what God is like. So for you and I, you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. This is what Paul's saying. And this is what so much of the New Testament is. And I think this is, this is we've said it a million different ways around here, and we'll keep saying it. Jesus shows us what God is like. Jesus takes what has been invisible and unknowable and makes it clear, makes God clear. And so all the questions you have about God, we don't get all of our questions answered, but we get some of them answered. What does God, what does God think about X, Y, Z? Well, how do we see Jesus relate to that in the Gospels? And it's, it's look at the Gospels, reflect on what you see Jesus doing and hear him saying, contemplate Jesus. Uh, some have said it like this way, that, that we would study and reflect on his words, his works, and his ways, right? This is unveiling God to us. And so, I don't know, maybe you're sitting here today going, I don't know, is, is God mad at me because of decisions I've made or because of my actions or because of ways I've fallen short or because of just who I am or and I would say, well, let's look at Jesus. How do we see Jesus reacting to different types of people in different types of situations? When the religious folks bring people who have, uh, have failed morally before Jesus, hoping he would condemn them, we see Jesus, rather than ostracizing them, he, he embraces them. Okay, so how does Jesus feel about you and your sin? I would say Jesus is embracing you and moving towards you and forgiving you and calling you and beckoning you to leave some things behind as you step out and follow him. This is the way Jesus relates, right? Throughout the gospels. While if you've, I will also say, if you found in your, yourself in the place of judging 
and of ostracizing and of demonizing and dehumanizing people from your place of moral high ground, Jesus might have something different to say about that, right? What does God, so uh, this is just, and it's up to each of us to do the work and to, to dig and to discover who the true Jesus is. But I think what we find in the point that Paul is making here is that the son is the image of the invisible God. He shows us what God is like. And, and what we find is what God is like is defined by self-giving, self-sacrificing love. It's love. God is love. Other New Testament authors say God is love. God is love. And so we have Jesus, the image of the invisible God. So my daughter, Lalia, she can't, couldn't see Jesus in her room that night, but we do have a picture of Jesus given to us through the scriptures. And this letter is written only 30-something years later, and, and this Jesus, the Son of God, is, is being referred to as the one to look to still already, just, just in the years after his life, death, and resurrection. Look to him, and you'll see God. Look at him and you'll see God. Look at him and you'll see God. And for us, 2,000 years later, this is the call. Let's look at Jesus and see God. Paul's first point. We're, uh, we're halfway through the first verse. We're good on time? Yeah, okay, let's keep going. The firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things created through him. And for him, he's the firstborn over all creation. What does that mean? The whole created world, right? Everything that exists. And it's a good and beautiful and amazing created world. I mean, we're enjoying the, the first days of a new season, and it's, it's crispy outside, and you can have your pumpkin spice latte. And these are, you know, pumpkins are part of creation, right? That counts. And we've added some stuff to them. But... uh <laughs> We're still just cultivating the good stuff God gave us, right? I mean, there's so much just to life that is, take the spiritual label off of things for a minute, right? Stop categorizing for a minute. There's so much about our world and just life that's available to us and, and, and to some degree available to every human, the good things of just being alive, right? And Jesus, it was through Jesus and by Jesus and for Jesus that all that stuff has come. He's the firstborn over all creation, and also all of the broken and confusing and confused parts of our world. We're going to get there in a minute, have the opportunity to find their place in this Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, the image of the invisible God. As well, Paul names, um, you know, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. This is a big deal for him to be saying this because he's speaking to people uh, in the Roman Empire, in the city of Colossae. These were Gentile believers in Jesus. So they're coming from, uh, not coming from the monotheistic uh, Judaism background of uh, many of the first followers of Jesus. But now this is like the second wave of, of people coming from a different background. And so there's this polytheistic influence. There's the Roman Empire influence, which would set up the Caesars as this, these like God men the son of God would be the language even used to describe Caesars. And so there's, um, Paul is, there's a subversive message here. And Paul is setting things straight for these newer followers of Jesus from a different background and saying all that stuff, everything, the gods you once worshipped, the idols made of wood and stone, 
and metal. And even the men and women who claimed to be worthy of worship, all those things and all those people were created by this Christ. And they, they come from him, through him, and they actually exist for him and for his glory as well. And so this is a big message um, for them, and it's big for each of us because even now in our, our day in 21st century United States as followers of Jesus, there, there are all sorts of things that we don't realize that, um, that want to take that throne for themselves and our own lives and hearts. He's before all things, verse 17, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Supremacy just means first place, that he would be first. Christ before is this first movement. That Christ, we see Christ before all things. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This word fullness uh, is a different Greek word than was used last week. Caroline uh, shared a, a word to be filled with the knowledge from earlier in chapter one uh, that means actually to be like sails of a ship being filled and propelling it forward. This is this week the Greek word pleroma, which means a ship filled with sailors, rowers, and oarsmen, or a ship filled with freight. It even also can speak to the fullness of time. So it's a, a different kind of fullness, but the entire personnel of a ship or a vessel being filled this is the, the word that Paul is choosing to use to describe the Son filled with the Father, Christ filled with God, that God was pleased to have all his, all his fullness dwell in him. There's nothing missing of God in Jesus, he's saying. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Uh, and this idea of fullness, it keeps coming up throughout Colossians. We'll see it in the coming weeks. In the next passage for next week, uh, Paul talks about, he says that um, all the, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, Colossians 2, 9. And in verse 10, he says, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So there's this, this continual picture of being filled in fullness in God and fullness offered to us. Christ before this is movement one of this passage. He's before all things. Movement two, I'm calling Christ among or Christ between. This is the he holds everything together idea. See, everything comes through him. The entire universe, all of creation. My kids, my daughters are really into planets right now. You ever think about the fact that we're on a planet? That's crazy. We're just on a planet, and there are other planets, and we're all moving around, and it's happening, right? I mean, this is, we take it for granted, it's a thing. And so, I get, I, there, was a, there was a period where, like, every day at the end of the day, we'd go out in the street in front of our house, and I would draw the solar system with chalk out in the road, and then, then it would rain and whatever and get washed away. But it was like the neighbors, I'm sure, were going, there's Rob out there refreshing the solar system for us all on the blacktop. We appreciate it. And so, the, but the, the, all of creation, the entire cosmos is created by him. And somehow in Christ, he's holding everything together. He is the, the dark matter, the gray matter in between the atoms. He's, he's it. He's holding it all, right? At, the, at the, the, the atomic level, 
I think we'd probably find him there. And then at the macro, macro zoomed out level, he's there. He's there in our lives. He's knitting us together. The places in your life where you feel disintegrated. And that integration and disintegration, this is where we get the word integrity, right? And where you feel like, I want one thing, but I do another. And I, 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 I identify, know that God has called me this and spoken to me in this way, yet I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to live in that way. That Jesus is the source of integrity and integration in our lives or in relationships where there's a breakdown, where there's conflict, where there's tension. It's Jesus who, who brings about reconciliation. And this is a word that's used in this passage twice. That verse 20, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 22, now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. This idea of reconciliation, this word, this particular word for reconciliation, it shows up one other time in the Bible, and that's in Ephesians 2, when Paul is talking about the, the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. And so, so we've got the, the, the reconciliation of, of divergent parts within ourselves or in relationships or in groups of people. We see it in our society. We see it in our world. If you've been paying attention to the news over the past 24 hours, the, the events happening in Gaza yesterday, the, wor we're, the world is reeling. Your heart might be broken reading and hearing about what's taking place there. And I would even just say, if you're, if you're overwhelmed and going, I don't know how to react or I don't know what to, how to pray, pray for the people who've lost people, right? Pray for the people who are missing right now. Pray for, and then when you don't know what to pray, this is where we pray in the spirit. We pray with groans that words can't express. Like Paul says in, in Romans 8, God, you, you know what I don't know. I can't, hold, I can't possibly hold that degree of tension within my person. And so I have to give it to you. This is the, this is the beautiful, broken, confusing confused world that we live in, in your own life. I don't know what, which way to turn. I don't know if I should take that job. I don't know if I should end this relationship. I don't know if I may, you're making big decisions in your life. How do you go about that process? Man, we need, we need the one who holds it all together. And I don't know about you, I need to remember and look again to the one who holds it all together. And then to be able to say, okay, I know you're going to hold me together through this thing. Right? This is where the rubber begins to meet the road. In a passage like this, it's not just lofty theology. Okay, good. I got my Bible study. I got the lesson done. Now I believe the right stuff about Jesus. Thanks, Rob. Good job. Good study this week. No, this is my heart needs the Christ who made me and made the world I'm in. He's before it all. And the second movement is he's, he's among or between. Christ among, Christ between. He is holding it all together. He's the bridge in every sense between what is and what could be. What is and what should be. He's the bridge between the old 
created world and the new creation that God is bringing about right now, it's, it's in him. It's through him. There's this incredible um, paragraph I want to read to you from N.T. Wright on this passage. Um, and Because the last verse, the final verse we read says, This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven which is, you read that and you're like, has it? It had already? This was like 2,000 years ago. There have been creatures since then that probably haven't. What's the, is this hyperbolic speech? What is Paul saying? Uh, This is what N.T. Wright says about that verse. He says he can only mean, Paul can only mean that when Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead as king and lord of the world, a kind of spiritual shockwave ran right through the entire cosmos. This was a new kind of event. Nobody had ever gone down into death before and come up the other side. God's new creation had begun. Jesus is, as the poem had said, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And now he's bringing to birth the reconciliation and renewal of all things in heaven and on earth. Pause here. So Jesus, Paul says, he's the firstborn over all creation and he's the firstborn from among the dead. Why does he use those two different phrases, because he's the bridge between what the created world and the new creation that's coming. So that the next part of this little quote for us, we'll end here in this quote here. The gospel doesn't, I love this, the gospel doesn't just make its way from one person to another, which, I mean, I've heard that phrase before the God, our faith is just, it's, it moves from one person to another, which is true. The message of Jesus does, right? The gospel doesn't just make its way from one person to another. When somebody hears the message and believes it, what is happening is that the new creation, which has already come into existence and already claims the entire cosmos, is becoming real and actual in another specific instance. Isn't that awesome? I love this way of thinking about it. When I read that, when I hear that, there's a phrase that comes to my mind, and it's this, awake to God. which is the language we use to describe the life of faith, of following Jesus, and a life of coming to faith. You can take that down. Is that, and that's our mission statement here at Grace Midtown, is that we exist together. We're inviting all humans to become awake to God. And so it's this idea that the new creation started, and other people have talked about this, the new creation started at the resurrection. The new day began, right? This, the the, the pages turned in the book of created history and the new creation began. The old creation is still there and we're in it, right? But when we come awake to God, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we believe the message and begin to live into it, it's like, it's like, I picture like a prairie dog, like coming up out of the hole, you know, like I've been down, I've been underground and now I can see I'm awake. I'm aware of the greater reality that is, has always been here. I've only ever known the underground. And now I'm out here in the world and I can see that the sky is blue and there's a different thing happening. We're, we're coming awake to God. Jesus is the one among and between those two realities, those two worlds. He holds it all together, holds everything together. That phrase, hold together, it's, it means in the Greek, it's literally to, to place things together. And it, all, it can also mean to comprehend so it's kind of like this idea that also another layer is that in Christ, the world starts to make sense. Things make sense. Things that didn't, things that were confused and were confusing. Things that where the, the math just didn't add up. This is where so much despair comes from in our world. 
an individual looks around and says, this can't be it. If this is it, I can't go on. It doesn't add up for me, you know? And we, many of us know people who found themselves in that place where they, they looked at the details of their life and they said, I, this equation doesn't work for me anymore. I can't do it. You may have found yourself in that place. And in, in Christ, the broken world that is becoming the new creation begins to make sense. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything. Final thought here in the Christ among section, and then we'll move to the final piece. Is um, Paul says, uh, he says he, that Jesus made peace in verse 20. Um, through his blood shed on the cross, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. I'm not going to try to launch into an entire teaching on the atonement here. Um, don't have time for that. We probably need an entire series. But something happened, right? <laughs> something took place on that day on the cross and at the resurrection, something cosmic, something reaching across all of creation, right? And it reaches into us. But for so many of us, this is what I love Paul's language here. So many of us, because of our own misses, our own failures, our own sin, we find ourselves alienated from God in our experience and enemies with God in our minds. He says that you were enemies with God in your minds. And I think he's speaking to that conscience thing. You know, the shame that we feel, the guilt that we feel, where God could say, it's good, we're good, you are forgiven, but we can't quite shake it, you know? Sometimes we're harder on ourselves than anyone else. Tim Keller is a, a well-known pastor and author who passed away recently said we're, we're far, and when it comes to following Jesus and just trying to live a life of faith, he says we're far more punished by our sins than for them. So many of us have felt that, that, that oh, I just beat myself up. And Paul says, he says, you were enemies in your minds, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. And this, uh, in our response time, we're going to have an opportunity for communion. And this is, part of that response is just to go, I just need to, I want to receive the physical body of Christ symbolically knowing that, that somewhere in my, my inner world, my mind, my thoughts, my emotions, there's something that God wants to speak to and set right as I embrace the very real physical thing that he did on my behalf. Am I speaking to anybody? Does this resonate with anybody right now? I think it's a powerful picture for us. Um, all right, I wanna, I'm going to take us to the third movement. You ready for this? We haven't read this passage yet, um, and I'm, I'm going to invite the band to come on back up as we read these last few verses. Paul says in verse 24, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering. Remember, he's in prison. He's in chains here. I'm, what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me 
to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery, here we are, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. He's speaking to this mystery. But it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, these people who are outsiders who've been brought inside, the God has chosen to make known among them, among you, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is dot, 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 the grand ellipsis of this passage, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So he's saying, the one who's beyond comprehension, the Son of God, Jesus, the Christ, he's, he's before all things. He's above all things. He's, everything was created by him and through him. He's the firstborn for overall creation. It's, all, it's like, can you begin to wrap your mind around this? And, and it's like right as we begin to grasp that, and he's saying, and he's, he's among you. He's between all the broken shards of the universe and of your own life and of your relationships. And he's the one pulling, he's holding it together and he's drawing it together, right? And we go, man, that's, that's impacting me. And then he has this sneaky little bomb that gets to go off in us where he says that Christ, the, the, the real mystery, it's not how big he is. It's not how powerful he is. It's not how supreme or how all-encompassing his reach is. He's in you. He's in you. And the the challenge, the call, the invitation for us is to let that reality begin to shape how we live our actual lives. Because we have the Christ who is before us bringing our past into his glorious future, but the moment you're living in right now is called the present. And he's right here. He's right here. And in that sense, maybe that's what my daughter needed <laughs> that night. I can't see him. Maybe, maybe you would go, Rob, I am like her. I can't see him. <laughs> yep. Here's where faith comes in. As we begin to trust that the one who is all of that and doing all of that is actually right here. And that his provision and his insight and his wisdom and his power is at work in us. And Paul goes on to say this. He says, don't go looking elsewhere for, for wisdom. He says in the next passage, he says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You don't need, you don't need to venture out. You don't need to graduate from Christ. You don't need to find it somewhere else. You don't need to find what you're looking for. So if you find yourself going, I, I, I'm, I'm reaching for something. I don't even know what it is. The phrase that's been on my heart for the past few weeks is, is the way in is the way on. I didn't come up with that. The way in is the way on. So the faith you began with, the things God gave you at the beginning, and the call from Paul to the Colossians is, is continue, continue, continue in Christ. Dig a little deeper. You don't need to reach further. Dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. He's here. And everything you need, everything you need, everything you need, is right here. I'm gonna invite you to stand up with us. Communion tables are open. We're gonna have ministry team available for you if you would like to receive prayer for anything today. Um, and uh, we're just gonna enter into a time of response and a time of worship. And, and let me just 
offer you this as you respond. If you're in the place of needing to be reconciled to God in some way, receive that. Come and take communion. Return to Christ in whatever way makes sense to you. If you're looking for answers and wisdom and help, then then let's. I want to invite you to dig deep into Christ in that way today. If you are overwhelmed by the, the brokenness and the disintegration of your own life or of the world we live in, then let's in a moment of worship turn to the one, the son, the Christ who holds everything together and let, let your prayer be, I need you to hold it all together for me today and show me how you're doing it. Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. We pray it in your name. Amen.